good issue for all women. Welcome back to another episode of Flicking. It's our very special film podcast. I don't know if I need to keep telling you that. You've you've listened to a few now. As you know, because cinemas are a thing of, well, currently a thing of the past, but hopefully a thing of the future as well, we are taking it in turns to watch each other's favourite films and have a little chat about that. And this week, I'm delighted to tell you that it's Hannah Dunleavy's turn. And she, and she has picked... Do you want to tell us what you've picked, Hannah? I picked The Station Agent. I could have picked one of probably three films for this. I don't understand when people say they have a favourite something because mine always change. But the other two films that I would say are vying for my spot of favourite film, I've actually talked about quite a lot on this podcast already, I love Con Air as well, you know, because it's what all action films want to be, genuinely funny. I've also got a lot of love for Brokeback Mountain because it's beautiful and it's sad and they are the best qualities in any film. And you love cowboys. And I love cowboys. I do love westerns. But the film I totally love and haven't talked about, The Station Agent, um, and as you say, I love westerns, but I think my other favourite genre is indie black comedies. And the early part of the 21st century is really liberally scattered with absolute gems, which I think The Station Agent is the absolute best one of them. And actually, oddly, it's kind of a Western if you look at it in the way it's about a stranger who wanders into town and completely affects the dynamic of that town. He's very Clint Eastwood in The Man With No Name. Yeah, it is very much a Western in that sense. Um, It's written and directed by multi-hyphenate, so also actor Tom McCarthy, although he's not actually in this. This is actually his first film. He went on to make Spotlight, which won the best film Oscar in 2015. And he also wrote arguably the best Pixar film, Up. Its cast is brilliant. Um, They're all pretty far from being household names in 2003. But actually, I think they're all largely there or thereabouts now. Yeah, I think so. Maybe not an example of a household name, but someone I do want to mention in this is Lynn Cohen who is one of those rare examples of a woman having a late-stage career surge, probably most notably as Mags in The Hunger Games or Magda in Sex and the City. And also she was totally magnificent as Golda Meir in Steven Spielberg's Munich. Anyway, I want to mention her specifically because when I went to Google her to check how she spells her name, not that it matters because this is audio, (laughs) but, you know, you can take the journalist out of local newspapers, but you can't take the local newspapers out of a journalist. I saw that she had died. She died in February. Yes. Um, And that seems, yeah, that seems a thing that it's a shame that it slipped under the news radar. So I wanted to mention that. I'm going to try and give a quick plot summary that's as spoiler-free as possible because I actually think everyone should totally watch this film if they haven't already. We have our eponymous hero, the station agent, who's played Finn, who's played by Peter Dinklage. Um, He inherits an abandoned railway station in rural New Jersey and decides to move there to indulge in his two hobbies, chain spotting and being left the fuck alone. (laughs) That dream dies pretty quickly when he meets some of his new neighbours. Joe, who's played by Bobby Cannavale, who is this exuberant man-child who's bored out of his mind because he's been left looking after his dad's coffee truck while, or hot dog truck while he recovers from an operation. Uh, Olivia is played by Patricia Clarkson. Oh, I love Patricia Clarkson. She's an artist who's in the throes of a messy divorce. Her husband isn't in the film for much, but worth noting, he's played by John Slattery. Hooray for John Slattery. Uh, Michelle Williams plays Emily, a young woman who's in an absolute shit show of a relationship. 
And finally, Cleo, who's played by Raven Goodwin, who is a lonely little girl who initially mistakes Finn for a child her own age. And the plot basically is that all four of them just sort of keep knocking on his door, literally and metaphorically, until he eventually lets them in. Do you want me to say why I love it, or should we get to that in the course of it? I mean, I can totally see why this is your favourite <laughs> film, or one of your favourite films. It screams Hannah Dunleavy. I, w- I would like to know which of the characters you identify with most. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that is part of it. Part of the reason I totally love it is because it's actually a kind of miraculous that it even exists. It was made on next to nothing. Tom McCarthy wrote it specifically for Bobby Cannavale, Peter Dinklage and Patricia Clarkson, who were friends of his. It took them about three years to find the money. When they eventually got the money, it was like next to nothing. And he actually explains it in the... There's a like a DVD extra, but I couldn't get my DVD to play in my laptop, so I can't verify this. But I want to say it was made up for half a million quid. Wow. In 21 days, which is nothing that's amazing like it just a ridiculously i mean that might be flexible but still the take home is no money no time to do this what i do know is it's one of the lowest budget films to ever win a bafta Mm. which it did it won best original screenplay for tom mccarthy and just proves generally my points that you know bafta often makes way better decisions than oscar ever does and the second reason I love it is because, yeah, I mean, what can I say? It speaks to me. It's got like a really powerful central message, but it delivers it in an entirely unsentimental fashion, which is everything I could hope for in a film. You know, <laughs> I don't know what you want to say that message is, how you want to word it. No man is an island, I suppose, would be the or no people are islands. You know what it reminds me of? You know that bit in The Wire when Bubbles gets clean and he actually does get clean, but he goes into like this self-enforced isolation. Mm-hmm. and his sponsor, whose name I can't remember, but he's played by the musician Steve Earle, he gives him a bit of paper that's got a quote from Kafka on it, which says, you can hold yourself back from the suffering of the world, but perhaps that very holding back is the one suffering that you could have avoided. And that's totally what this film is. I understand that the world's shit, but it's better off if you don't try and tackle it by yourself. They're all lonely, aren't they? Yeah. Even Bobby Cannavale's yeah. Joe... He's exuberantly lonely. Yeah. Oh, I love jo- I love Joe so much. Yeah. Can I say my interesting thing about cast? Yeah. It's probably yeah. it's perhaps not that interesting, but what I noticed is that there's quite a lot of people from Sex in the City in it. So Bobby Cannavale was in an episode of Sex in the City as the man with the funky spunk. <laughs> right. One of Samantha's many love interests. Obviously, it's got Magda in it, Lynn Cohen. And also, the husband, whose name you just said, someone Slattery, John, John, Slattery. John Slattery, plays the politician that she briefly dates. I think that's because Sex and the City spanned for so many series and they had to have a revolving door of different men for Samantha and Carrie. I think as well it's because it's filmed in New York and they are all New York actors. I just thought it was interesting. That's quite a lot. Um, I mean, I also think it's a really good film and really funny, but that's what we're here to discuss, isn't it? Thank you for making me watch it again. You talked to me about it years and years ago. Not on air, just we, we were nattering and you mentioned that you really loved the film and I went and sought it out. I liked it the first time. I liked it very much the second time. I had fun trying to work out which of the characters I thought you were, decided you were a composite of Finn with a smidgen, a smidgen of Joe when you're trying to, like... Pollyanna, which happens occasionally. Uh, not much Patricia Clarkson in there, not much Olivia. 
but maybe a little bit of Cleo as well, just as she's just like, let's get to the meat of this. She doesn't beat around the bush. (laughs) Little girl just wants to know answers to questions. What I love about her is when she's got the answer, she always does the same thing, which is turn round like 180 (laughs) degrees and just run away. away. (laughs) Yeah. So no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it's very warm, very funny. It's quite a subtle film, but I think actually what it talks about is... It's big, isn't it? It's the human condition. We've all felt lonely, maybe not to the degree where the loneliness is a character itself almost in, in, within those characters and quiet is a character itself in it. There's a lot of quiet space and thinking. And they actually, they ruin Finn's loneliness. He, like, has, yeah. he's been having a lovely time just being on his own for reasons that are quite sad, but he's, he's made that decision. And then once he's made friends he didn't know he wanted, he tries to be lonely again and he's like, oh, fucking hell, this is shit. <laughs> I yeah. miss them. Again, Hannah Dunleavy. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if this is the film for people to watch in isolation, if they are totally in isolation. But it will remind you that you like your friends, but you can't do anything about it at the moment. I mean, Bobby Cannavale is, I mean, he's the one that kind of everyone just goes, wow, when they watch it. Because it's rare for a character to be that exuberant and in your face without it coming across like he's a total dick. It's it's all niceness. It's all goodwill. There's a great scene when when the the idiots, the twats, start shouting. You know the planes, the planes at Peter Dinklage, and you think, oh, the first time you see it, you think, oh my god, he's going to accept this, and it's going to be mortifying because he's not going to say anything about it. But he does say something yeah. about it. The film sets you up to think that Joe might be a bit of a dick, but he's not. It's it's all goodwill. My favourite Joe bit is when Finn is literally trying to shut the door in his face and he keeps going, but if you do go out later, can I come too? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, we're not going to go out. And he's like, but if you do? And he goes, but we're not. And he goes, okay, but but if you do? And he just goes, yes. Yeah. And I just love that. He, like, rejection means absolutely nothing to him. And I wish I had a bit more of that. He's yeah. got quite a childlike quality, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, totally. man-child. Yeah, Totally when he goes off and plays football with those kids and manages to like hoof one in the face with a ball almost immediately. (laughs) I also love that he calls it train watching, not train spotting. (laughs) Jen, what did you think? Yeah, I've not seen it before. Hannah has obviously mentioned it in in, in my presence several times. And yeah, it's very, like it's quite understated, I think, as you said, like it's quite subtle. It was very warm. It's not a very good descriptive word. Like everyone always sort of complains about this as a descriptive word, but I, I thought it was nice. I know what you mean. It's got a kindness to it. Yeah, hasn't it? yeah. I didn't like it. Wasn't I? Wouldn't say like it blew my socks off, but it's not really that kind of film. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I thought it was really nice and warm. I agree with all of that, but there is there is a bit that I still have not managed to actually watch. I find really difficult. I always have to do it through my fingers. And in, that's when, when he's he gets in the pissed bar. in the pub. Yeah, yeah it's, it's awful. I can't bear to watch it. It's so horrible. It's just so mortifying. You're like actively like your skin is crawling with embarrassment for him. But at the same point, you understand why he's doing it. Well, apart from the fact he's pissed. It's the biggest, biggest scene almost in the film, isn't it? But it is, it's very uncomfortable. And I think because it has been so nice and warm and heart-cheering that it really strikes home even more. Yeah, Patricia Clarkson as well. Her, obviously, because we're not doing spoilers, are we? So maybe I won't say what's happened to her character in it. But um, she's grieving, basically. And she does an excellent job, I think, of, of portraying that. And that's really, like, uh, gets you in the feels as well. 
Well, given yeah. that like at least two thirds of the dialogue is uh, Bobby Cannavale's, you yeah. know, the fact that the yeah. others all manage yeah. to express these big emotions is is really impressive, and they're so so watchable. Yeah, because it's very it's a very yeah. quiet film, isn't it? It's not like mm. a. It's kind of like it reminds me of. What does it remind me of? I don't know. I feel I can't think of any particular film now that it reminds me of. But when you watch it, you do get a sense like you've definitely seen other films like it where it's kind of like it's quite quiet like not necessarily that much actually happens and yet lots does happen because as i said it's very understated and there i feel like that is almost a genre of film but i can't think of any specific example sorry i'm gonna shut up now because i'm waffling on (laughs) no i mean it's very much low budget indie black comedy yeah they're about community, generally. Yeah, it's a bit like... this is also about... Like Napoleon Dynamite or something, where, like, yeah. not a lot actually happens and yet a lot does happen and it just sort of quietly moves along and you watch it and you sort of chuckle and you cringe and you sort of... Do you know what Tina, I mean? Tina, get some ham! Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he throws a steak at his face. Oh, it's him. It's the steak in the face that absolutely <laughs> destroys me every time I see Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I've only watched that once. I think I might watch it again. Oh, you need to watch that again. I tell you what, there's there's a, an incredible bit of you ever get the DVD on the extras. Maybe it's somebody's put it on YouTube of uh, a scene in which they put him riding a horse, and I it, I don't know how he does it, how he manages to stay on the horse while being so stiff. Because he, watch it, it's hilarious. <laughs> Should we talk about Michelle Williams? This was the first thing she did after Dawson's Creek. And it's funny because everyone kind of went with that. Oh, it's going to be Katie Holmes that's, you know, the famous one out of Dawson's Creek. And actually, I think making sensible choices like this that Michelle Williams Mm. did, where she started small and she learned like as she went along was probably the best. Because I think she's absolutely delightful in this. She's great, isn't she? She never overplays a hand, but she didn't as Jen. I think the reason that Jen gets overlooked in Dawson's Creek, one, she was naughty and she had sex, so she had to die. And two, she she's so much more understated than the rest of the cast, which is why she's brilliant in the small indie films that she went on yeah. to, to choose. Yeah, she's cracking. She was the one that anyone cool liked in Dawson's Creek, though. No one liked Joey. Joey's fucking irritating. I never watched Dawson's Creek. I think it's for the best, Hannah. I I don't think he would have enjoyed it. I think it's interesting as well with the the stage ladies because they both actually get what you would describe as a meet-cute in another film. Both of his relationships with the women in this, with Patricia Clarkson and with Michelle Williams' characters, they are, like, they get set up in the same way that they do in romantic things. Like, I, I mm. love the fact, I mean, Michelle Williams screams in his face, which is, I think, probably <laughs> my favourite one, although driving him off the road twice is also quite a... But, and they kind of fuck around with that, with the idea that there might be something romantic in this. But then they discard that, and I think that is for the better, that he actually was, like, a, a friend to them, and... And provided support, like, on a different level, actually, was what was more important than whether or not he snogged either of them. Yeah, there's a sexual tension with both of them that doesn't need to be and thankfully isn't resolved with actual sex, which is great. It's like you can be attracted to people and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to follow through, which Hollywood quite often forgets. And uh, and actually, that's what happens in life all of the time. Yeah. And also, uh, I wanted to talk about that fucking immense scene where they go and make the video because that does make me laugh so much. 
train um, chasing. Yeah, it's actually oddly. I um, a couple of years afterwards, I must have told you this story before. I was in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, with my brother, drunk out of my face, and we were walking up a road, and then we heard the ding, 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 ding. And the barriers came down and a, a heavy freight train went past us and we were standing literally next to it. I, d- I mean, it was in, you know, a, a, like an old road crossing and it went on for absolutely ages and it was mental. I have to say it made me go, whoa, wowzers. That's actually for the first time I could understand why anybody was even vaguely interested in trains. And my brother kept saying, oh, please let the last carriage have hobos in it. Please let the last carriage have hobos in it. <laughs> Look, it's seasick Steve. There he is. Yeah. I didn't quite do a Joe, woo, like that, but it was quite exciting nonetheless. Just how delighted they are. It's catching, isn't it? It's contagious, which, you know, at the yeah. moment, not a great word, but it, the, the cheer in it, the warmth in it is really contagious. I smiled a lot whilst watching it, as well as laughing. Yeah. And I think it does well by its female characters as well agreed they all have their own agency well this seems like it's been a resounding success yay hooray oh well i'm glad thumbs up from the lady with the baby in her yeah everybody should watch it because and you can watch it you can rent it off youtube for i think for about two pounds 99 two pounds 49 i believe so two pounds 49 a bargain, bargain. guys even better even better 40 pence better 50 pence better 50 pence better (laughs) so mickey on that bombshell have we had a bombshell (laughs) no on on the bombshell bombshell. of of me not knowing the difference between 40 and 50 pence mickey it's your turn next what do you want to watch so again i think we all have more than one favorite film otherwise you're probably a psychopath so i have narrowed down my choices and I was I was really veering between two and that was Ghostbusters which I adore and the problem there is I'll immediately have to watch Ghostbusters 2 afterwards and then the new one so it just seems like a lot of films to watch (laughs) that's what happens every time Jen and I go on the Wire podcast we have to watch one episode (laughs) of the Wire and then we have to watch five seasons of the Wire (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be quite that much of a demand on your time, but not far off. So I am going to go for a film I have seen countless times that is a classic for a reason, Jaws. Oh, ooh, like a bit of Jaws, me. Standard issue for all women.